Oh, hello. John Hastings here. Week two of the podcast. Can you believe it? I've made it this far two weeks in a row. I'm pretty impressed with myself. I'm wearing a tuxedo. I've just popped a bottle of champagne. Very special episode, this one. Um, This family that's come and seen the podcast two years in a row came back for a third year and filled my heart with glee. Um, It's absolutely amazing. They were... Like, super excited. I was super excited to see them. It's very strange. I'm not a famous person. I don't think I'll ever be a famous person. Um, But the idea that people would go out of their way to come and see this show, that's literally me making up bullshit. Um, It's fucking great. It makes me feel like um, I'm fucking getting somewhere. This one was a a pretty good one. Uh, It had some low moments, but um, it got there. Also, my SoundCloud account, from which this all emanates, has a lot of filthy spam. Um, so it is, it's mucky, mate, so, um, so it might be a, a real dirty old time, um, that, but that said, it's a, um, and by dirty old time, I mean, I'm just, all of the feedback I'm getting from the show are from porn bots, that's what I mean by that, I know it sounds like a weird thing, but that's what I'm, all the feedback I'm getting is porn bot spam, um, and I also just got an email on my, I'm going on vacation to Canada, and the flights just got booked, which is all very exciting. Makes me feel happy. Uh, so I am stoked about that. And, uh, yeah, I am currently, um, just sat in a hotel, as per usual. I'm back in Norway. I'm doing these intros. I did this episode at the same time as the other one. But that family's there. Focus on that. That's who they're. These intros and outros, I'm trying to get better at them. I'm trying to work on broadcasting without an audience, sticking with a a theme, being funny. None of that's working. Let's do dates and then fucking bring on the episode. I'm currently in Canada. I'm at the Tattershire Castle in London on the... 20th and 21st of September 22nd of September I am at Halifax Comedy Club for Kids and at Top Secret Comedy Club and then the Glasgow Stand Thursday the 26th of October Friday the 27th of October and Saturday the 28th of October and then the old post office Shrewsbury on the 29th of October let's not forget the 30th of October I'm hosting Old Rope 31st is Halloween ho 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 and then um Thursday, November the 2nd, I'm at Up the Creek Comedy Club. And then Friday, November the 3rd, Saturday, November the 4th, I am at the Comedy Store London. And Sunday, November the 5th, I am back at Top Secret Comedy Club. Come and check me out at all of them shows. Um, And the outro, I'll talk about my album. Bye. Oh,
So much for coming in out of the rain what an easy day my flyers have had i saw a few of you literally just it's inside ah very good what is it i don't even know let me quickly explain it's an improvised podcast so all of this will be made up on the spot hopefully it's funny if you can fucking open the wrapper away brother what a beautifully british reaction to that there's 20 of us in the room the size of a hat like please what are you enjoying it's gone. I like you don't even tell me. It's gone. Crackers. crackers. Man crackers. What a weird thing. What a weird pocket snack. Crackers. Because I candy, but crackers? Snackers. Snackers. Sorry. Snackers. Oh, that makes all the difference in the world. Clearly foreign. We say clearly foreign. Where are you from? Yorkshire. Yorkshire. That's not foreign. Don't tell the Scottish people I said that, but that's. Are there jocks in? Yeah, you can always tell that pause as they look around. Yeah, we're here. We're here. Taking a quick break from complaining about the festival to enjoy the festival. Well, we all contribute to your council tax. Thank you so much for coming. What is your name, brother, at the back? Cameron. Cameron. Fucking powerful Scottish name. And who are you here with, Cameron? Uh, my girlfriend. Your girlfriend. How long have you guys been? Uh, it's going on six, eight months. Six, eight months. Six, eight months. Fucking podcast snow sorted. We'll get back to the snackers in a second. Six to eight months. Yeah. That's very good. And how is it going? So how did you guys meet? Uh, Kaylee. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of British, non-Scottish people in here. Did you feel that reaction? At Kaylee's house? Who the fuck is Kay what, it, what it? I'm from Canada. I don't know what Kaylee is. Uh, Kaylee's a Scottish dance. Scottish. Oh, with the fucking swords and dropkick Murphys? And <laughs> that shows my knowledge of Scottish culture that I'm referencing the band Dropkick Murphys. For those of you who don't know, uh, there was punk music here in Britain in the 70s that was all about like sticking it to the man and kicking ass, and the Americans took it and were like, we like to skateboard, and also our dads will pay for everything. And that's what the Dropkick Murphys are. There's a few dads in the room going, yes, we fucking will. <laughs> I have three different bass guitars in my basement right now, and all I get is a pack of snackers and a judgmental look from the wife. Now... <laughs> That's very good, Cameron. And uh, are you Edinburgh local? Uh, no, Glasgow. No, Glasgow. Very good. The better of the Scottish cities, if you ask me. Are there Edinburgh people in? Uh, Aye. <laughs> but, mate, you look like what an Edinburgh person tells people from Glasgow. Look like you're in camo pants, <laughs> suspenders with a fucking neck tattoo. I just, I've turned around on the neck tattoo. I went from just thinking it was the fucking stamp of the scumbag to I just, it's to now I think it looks fucking cool. Like, you look like you'd... You know how to fucking steal a car, but it'll be a classic car that you'd give to your girlfriend. So let's talk about the neck tattoo. What inspired you to get the neck tattoo? Because everything else I understand, arms, legs, body, but neck is saying, I am 
a tattoo guy. I can only work in certain, like, what do you do? Uh, yeah, so you're a cook? No. No. Oh, so it's a good restaurant. That's always a distinction, because if it's like a fucking TG McFridays, everyone's a cook. If it's an actual restaurant, there are cooks, and then there's scrubs. <laughs> I, I was. I was a dishwasher for two years. By the way, there's, there's, there's a, how old are you? I'm 14. You're 14. So when we met, you were 11? Twelve. I met him, but he came to the show before. So I don't follow a family from America around. <laughs> there was a lot of tension. What show did we come to? Is this the Bill Cosby apology tour? No. And uh, so, you're, so listen. If you really, if people will tell you join the army, do not join the army. Beca work in a kitchen for a couple of years, and you will learn discipline and also see things you can never unsee. War stories. I worked in a, a very high class. Restaurant. We were in two. One was called Anton and James, and it was me and a bunch of Jamaican dudes that were so fucking crazy. Oh, people coming in. Thank you for arriving right on time, brother. How are you? Very good. What is your name, boss? Mike. Mike. Very good. What, what the fuck's happening here? I saw a lady's body, and then he just retreated. You're sending her in first to get all the shit I'm about to give you. What a fucking asshole you are, Mike. Go on in first, girlfriend. I will stand back while he mocks you. I'm not gonna mock her. She looks like a private detective from a 90s teen drama. It's a fine visual joke for the audio podcast everyone's enjoying. Um, so I worked, as a, I worked as a dishwasher in this, uh, two different places. One was called Anton James. It was me and all the Jamaican guys. And Garfield was the head chef, and he thought he was, a, he was, a, he thought he was like a romantic. So anytime a pretty lady would walk in, it was one of those like modern-y restaurants where you could see the kitchen, and if a pretty lady sat down in his eye view, he would just dance for them very slowly and subtly. And then I was a dishwasher. I should be washing dishes, but instead he would be like, go ask that girl if she likes men. And I was like, well, I, I, I don't think that's my job, Garfield. And he would always be holding a knife <laughs> as if to imply like you have a decision to make, motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, and I finally did it after like weeks and weeks of him like, like fucking bullying me. And I walked up to a girl and I went, uh, do you like men? And she went, is the man who's dancing at me asking? <laughs> And I said, yes, and then she went, then no. <laughs> it was crazy, and then I, after working in the kitchen for a little while, there's some, a scarier story that we'll end with on this chunk, but I then got moved on to being a waiter. Now, it was in Montreal, Canada. You guys familiar with Montreal, you know? Where this? So Montreal has become a sociological study. It's an absolutely corrupt city. The mafia and the Hells Angels have taken it over completely and run it like a business. You could walk down the street of Montreal, Quebec, Canada, with a million quid strapped to your chest and no one would touch you, they don't care. They're getting collection from everyone. But that means the mafia is a presence. I started comedy there and every couple of weeks a guy named Snake would show up and he was the enforcer for the Hells Angels and Snake loved whiskey but couldn't handle it. Like Scottish people, you wear whiskey well. You have two glasses, you tell me a story about where the peat came from as if I know what that is. <laughs> And then if I happen to say, I'd like to dilute it with a little Diet Coke, you look at me like I just took a shit on your flag. Yes, yeah, so you, you hear that noise. How could you, it doesn't taste good to me. I wasn't raised of this being considered summer. I come from a place of sun. I don't understand why you guys punish yourselves both externally and inter, I would like to be refreshed by my beverage, not punished by it. You should have had water instead. It's, it's gonna make your stomach feel like your kidneys have been kicked and, and all that sort of stuff. And so Snake would drink whiskey and we were told by the owner of the club, whatever you do, do not engage Snake. And we learned why, because my one night, Snake literally had like a tray of, uh, of just of, uh, Jack Daniels and ice. 
and he was just downing them, and he was next to a woman. Now, I don't know if she was a prostitute, but she had a very prostitutional vibe. <laughs> Which, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've never been in an area with pro Like, sir, I like how you're closing your eyes. Going, ah, the 80s. Ah. <laughs> Good for you, brother. <laughs> don't shake your head at your wife. She knows what you were up to, you dirty, rotten scoundrel, you. And, uh, and, and Ali said, are any of these drinks for me? And Snake went, no! And then started throwing the drinks at Ali as the comedy owner was the back went, I told you not to talk to Snake! And I was like, are you gonna call the cops? And he went, no, he knows the cops. You're just gonna have to put up with this. So I did 10 minutes as a drunk man was just flinging whiskey at me. I was like 22 being like, well, no business like show business. There's no business I know. And then I, uh, I got another job as a dishwasher, a very classy uh, restaurant called Java in the early 2000s. I don't know if any of you are, some of you are old enough to remember that we went through this, the beginning of the celebrity chef phase, where then it was just all steel granite and needless presentation. What is this? It's a Caesar salad, but it's de deconstructed, so it's a live chicken eating lettuce. <laughs> you don't eat it, you just gaze upon it and learn its struggle. And it was one of those places. And it had, Two dishwashers. Now, I have very few skills, one of which is gathering people in a room so we can all sweat together in glory. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much, brother. You're the first audience, honest audience member. Doing a good job. Thank you very much, my friend. <laughs> Only in fucking Scotland can you be given a compliment that sounds like an insult. <laughs> yes, fucking just, it, this fucking country, it fucking bums me out and makes me happy all at the same time because being Canadian, it's like old Canada. Like America, and England. England is old America. They've really fucked things up. You guys are just really beginning to fuck things up. And it's spectacular. Trump, by the way, has gone from what the fuck to like, man, this is like a sitcom in its later years. We're just moving characters around all the time. They're just kind of revitalizing. Like, is this going to work? A guy named the Mooch. This is going to. Oh, he's gone. All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and I, oh, just, because I'm in the midst of applying for a green card. The show hasn't started yet. I, uh, I'm in the midst of applying for a green card. Now, it's supposed to be a year-long process. I got a call in September of 2016 that said, in six weeks, you will go to the consulate, and uh, you'll have an interview, and you'll be possibly approved for your green card. It's been a process of thousands of pounds, all this amazing stuff. And then the election kicked into full gear, and they like, we're canceling all meetings until there is an election. And I was like, well, Hillary Clinton get, get in. Everything will be smooth and easy. And I watched the election. I watched Donald Trump win. I have never been more drunk in my entire life. Watch it. I ended up in a working men's club in London. Because you're... Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Very, that's a fucking true American way. You guys have just gotten it down. You go from America, now you just say the city you're in yeah. to make sure that you're like, I'm with you, all right? <laughs> yeah, Seattle, it's basically Canada, but just with better architecture and weirdly shit weather. And nerds, oh fuck you, we got nerds in Canada, how dare you? Have you seen our musicians? Neil, no, they're all dead. Do I have to explain that joke? All right, so the music scene of Seattle was very much comprised of a lot of grunge musicians, for example, Kurt Cobain, Chris Cornell, both of them have recently died, ergo the joke, a lot of you did not go for it at all. And a lot of you are going, well Pearl Jam's still alive, yeah, well they're dead to me. Oh, it's gotten very tense in here, guys. <laughs> Do not worry, I'm very good in a tense situation. I've been in a lot of tense situations. Once, I was in a lift and someone farted and two people claimed responsibility. <laughs> if I got through that, I can get through this. 
started a lot of strands. Green card. So I got the green card. Trump got elected. I got super drunk uh, in a working men's club in London. Working men's club in London is like a, like a VA hall or a legion. But they let normals in now and hipsters drink in it because it's like two quid for a beer. And it was it was messy. And then I came home and our toilet was really clogged. So I had to unclog a toilet at 5 o'clock in the morning and then promptly throw up into it, which I think is actually the perfect metaphor for society currently. <laughs> move away the shit and bring in the bile. And so... And then I got another message that's saying Donald Trump will appoint a new ambassador to the British consul or the British embassy, and then it will begin again. He has yet to do that. He has not filled any positions within the British embassy, which means they have a backlog of two years of visas. Then this week, he has just said, we will now be looking at all new visa applications based on a point system like fucking Weight Watchers. What I'm trying to say now, if you're American in the room, you owe me 10 grand, and I will be taking it from you at the bucket at the end of the show. I only say that because I know there are Americans in. And they have that classic American tourist look of they're like, is he serious? I don't know. We already dealt with that wallet inspector earlier. Back to kitchen. So I'm working at Java, and I'm a dishwasher. And then the other dishwasher was a, he was a classic alcoholic. If you want to see an alcoholic, they'll be on the street. There's a guy in a high-vis downstairs that looks like the, your classic drunk dude where he walked up to him and, oh, the line's too long. And then he took a tin out of his jacket and started drinking it on the street. Clearly, he's like, I brought a traveler just in case. You just caught a fly with your hand. That was fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are you, man? I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I lost that argument, but I did. What is your name, brother? Colin. Colin. Very good, Colin. And what do you do for a living, Colin? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Classic Scottish response. <laughs> English people don't laugh at that. Now, Colin, uh, what did you used to do for a living? I assume you're retired now. I used to run a business. You used to run a business. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... Uh, you know, <laughs> based on the fact you literally picked a fly out of midair like goddamn Mr. Miyagi... Really fucking frightened the shit out of me. I also like that, Colin, you're perfectly positioned for the microphone, so all of your uh, responses Excellent. are being... Yeah. Oh, now he's gotten fucking scared. <laughs> Colin's not supposed to be on tape. Let's just say Colin comes from a little place called Massachusetts, and when Whitey Bulger got caught, Colin came to Edinburgh, changed his accent, and now he's been living with that lovely lady for the last 20 years. And Miss, I assume you're Colin's... Yes. Very good. What a weird way to answer that. Yeah. Did someone just yell, secretary? You're, you're Colin's wife? Yeah, well, partner. Partner. Beautiful. How long have you guys been in partnership? Oh, 15 years. 15 years. That's fucking intrepid. That was back before you, because you, you used to have to get married, and now it's not really done. Because have you guys gone to weddings recently? There's shit. <laughs> you don't get to go into a church. I used to like to go into a church. I'm an atheist, but you got to check out what the other side's doing. You know what I mean? It's a problem with being agnostic or atheist. Your buildings are shit. It's just your house. Religions have really figured it out. It's somewhere to go on a Sunday. Now I just have to go line up with my friends at a brunch place, and I don't get to eat, drink wine in the morning without judgment whatsoever. But now, and now it's not, weddings are done in a field. I went to one, I'll definitely listen to this. I went to one in a field, and it was fine, except it was a duck farm. Oh. Yeah. The, <laughs> who made that noise? Was it you? I, I had you pegged for making that noise, brother, but too many crackers in the mouth, but... It was a duck farm, so they raised ducks for eating. Are you a vegetarian? No. No, you just think ducks are cute? No. <laughs> Is this more of a, like, I'm glad someone's eating these fucking ducks, the quacking assholes? <laughs> yes. I did not get that from your reaction at all. I thought you were like, oh, I love ducks. You're like, no, fuck them. I'm, 
I am Hitler and the ducks are Jews. That's the basically way you phrased it. I'm not saying that I'm in favor of that. I'm just trying to go for a shocking joke to put some energy in the fucking room. Are you aware that it's currently 55 degrees in here? This isn't fucking planned. I'm trying to do my fucking best and a lot of you are being cooperative and Colin's fucking making a noose with a fucking shoelace. So how about you? <laughs> fucking calm right fucking down. Jesus Murphy. Wow, it just turned into my dad right there standing on a chair yelling Jesus Murphy at a bunch of sweating white people. Now, he was an odd man. Uh, anyway, but the problem is, is ducks, I don't know if you've encountered duck shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you, What? It's fucking, it's fucking rank. It's disgusting and it's, it, it's sticky. And I drink at weddings. Cause if you open the bar, I'm getting what I paid for the gift back quickly. And you can't just, you can't unleash. I'm having Tom call, cause I don't know you guys are like in an open bar, but I, I like to experiment. I'm not just going to have a beer. Let's see what cocktails you can make. Pardon me, man. I'll have a, uh, I'll have a hairy navel, a sex on the beach, and a salty dog. Put them all in one container, and then let's just see how crazy I can get with a duck. <laughs> and then you're just, because there's nothing worse than being drunk and conscious of getting duck shit on your brand new white shoes, because you finally made some money in this business, and they have a thing called azos.com in this country, which is basically all the clothes a wanker would wear delivered to your door the next day, and you still haven't figured out how to open the packaging, so even if it doesn't fit, you keep it. <laughs> so I showed up in a totally white suit with a pink tie. I looked like a cunt, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was fucking great. Like, have you ever, you ever been that guy at a wedding where everyone's looking at you being like, are you trying to outdo the bride? And you can just look at them and go, I certainly am, and I think mission accomplished. Now. So I'm working at this restaurant called Java. Oh, we're finishing this fucking story. And, and it, was a, it was a big sort of banquet thing. And uh, Christmas in, uh, in Canada, much like Christmas in Scotland or Britain, it's a big time for people to get together and judge each other and get very angry and then drink a shit ton. And so it was crazy. We were there from 6 AM till 3 o'clock in the morning like for 10 days. And on the final day, it was Christmas Eve Eve. I had a bus. Uh, to uh, my hometown of Ottawa uh, the next one on Christmas Eve. There's something bleak about traveling on Christmas Eve. Like, you're supposed to already be home next to your parents. That's the pre-fight time in any family where you're getting your cocktails ready to go. You're figuring out, what do you mean Shelly left Ron again? Wait, Ron and the new boyfriend are coming to Christmas dinner. Oh, this is very exciting. <laughs> Because unknown to me, I did give their son a baseball set. So I think we're going to need to hide the valuables because we're going to see some shit. And, uh, but I didn't have that. Instead, I was working covered in sweat, trying to be a comedian, but really just being a dishwasher. And uh, the, one of the head cooks very much looked like you, brother, like very much a kitchen vibe. He didn't have a neck tattoo, but it's like sleeve tattoos. He was the first guy I ever saw a drink just to start his day, which is the most ghastly thing. Like he'd go to a, like a beer store and he'd buy a beer and he'd put it in a coffee cup so he didn't know he was an alcoholic, but you can usually tell because coffee doesn't smell like beer. <laughs> and he would down it and then he would go and we're sitting in the dish pit and, uh, and he goes, uh, you want to get messed up tonight, John? And I was just depleted and sad, so I said yes. And he, and he went and teethed a bottle of vodka from the bar and uh, it, it'll be over in 40 minutes. That was a beautiful... You got another show. Oh. <gasps> no. Well, the show this show hasn't even started yet. Okay, what's the other show? Absolutely improv. Well, we all get to watch the really fun show of you guys trying to sneak out of this room. Just <laughs> <laughs>
Only your group was laughing at that, Colin. You fucking SAS son of a bitch. Why'd you have to retire? You could have killed Theresa May and saved us a lot of fucking trouble the last year. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know, I can tell. Anyway, listen. <laughs> um, if, you, if you need to go, totally go. Just to let you know, it is pay what you, it's free to get in, it's pay to get out. To get out. <laughs> so I'm gonna need to cease that billfold, my friend. Recommended five pounds. I like how fucking awkward it is. He's literally put his jacket down, but I have to pay? I don't fucking think so, mate. I'll be sneaking out with the rest of these goons. No, if you gotta go, don't go. There's no judgment. It's a free show, please. This is fucking so tense! It's all right. Who's told you it was half an hour? What a lying piece of shit! Yeah, you fucking. I, I wasn't kidding. About, I wasn't kidding about the money, by the way. And I see you guys. It's it's underneath that chair, right over there. If you if you miss it, man with the neck tattoo. If they don't give money, follow them out. Don't 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 fucking tell them that you guys are plants and we do this every day. And Colin's my older brother who just smoked inside too often in his twenties. Thank you very much, guys. Enjoy Absolutely Improv. If you guys want some more comfortable seats, you can totally come there. I won't pick on you, I promise. I promise you won't. Are you you're cool? Just in, you're all right? All right. It's never a dull moment at this show. It's not what I expected. Also, I think Colin was either falling asleep or trying to get away with a silent fart based on his face. Because he kept doing this. He kept kind of closing his eyes and then opening them and subtly looking at his wife. <laughs> And then he closed his eyes again, and then there was like a shift, <laughs> like so. And then he would sit back down. I, I've been a comedian for 11 years. I can tell when people aren't necessarily gonna love what I'm doing. And as soon as that bald dude stood, sat down, I was like, he's either gonna be right on board or he's going to hate my guts. And he was fine for a minute until I pointed out that he was eating crackers and that's an inappropriate thing to eat because English people have this weird thing which is if they're doing it, then it must be right. Which is why Brexit is going so well currently. <laughs> and it's just, it was fascinating, but very good. I hope they enjoy Absolutely Improv slash I hope it rains. <laughs> it is raining, thank you very much, Peter. Very good. Did you do a rain dance before the show? Did you do a rain dance before the show? Well, after they left, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking singer, mate. That's why he's long been the Paul Schaefer to my David Letterman. Now, I'm finishing this fucking story and then we're starting this fucking show. Jesus Christ in heaven, how long have we started on the intro? Classic 24 minutes. Ah, quite short, given some of you have seen the show before and usually we don't even begin the show. Now, um, so, uh, so because you want to get drunk and eat teeth a bottle of vodka from the bar, which you shouldn't steal, but in the kitchen world, you absolutely steal. And he grabbed a bottle of vodka and he brought it into the dish pit and we're going to get crazy. And I was like, I don't want to get crazy with you. You're too crazy. And he, he dropped his trousers. <laughs> I'm aware. You guys, you're just hearing about it. <laughs> Keep in mind that in the world of the kitchen, he was my superior. This was my boss. One of the people that could decide if I was hired or fired, put a vodka bottle up his bum and did a headstand and then fell down. And I learned later when I was dating a doctor, I asked, and that's actually a really fast way to get super drunk because it goes immediately into your bloodstream. I would like to meet the man that invented that. 
and to see what other weird experiments he went through before he found asshole. Was he pouring whiskey into his eye? Oh, I'm not drunk, but I can't see, so won't be able to drink. It was insane. What was more insane is he then took it out and went, now you try. And that's how I spent Christmas of 2007, is finding out that not only I was able to get the bottle in, but I wasn't good enough to get a handstand going. So I just lay there and he kind of propped it up. And then I did, it's very embarrassing. Usually, by the way, when I tell the story, I don't leave in the part where I did it, but I felt that it took us so long to get there. I should be honest with you about what I had done. Now, uh, before the show started, I gave two people pieces of paper. Someone was given a long, thin piece of paper. Uh, that was you, very good. Now, could you please stand up and tell us what the title of today's show is? The, the top five best and worst things that happened in high school? Yeah. Fuck yes! All right, because some of these, my girlfriend wrote all these titles and she fucked me on a couple of them. One of which was his stand silently for 60 minutes and see who stays. <laughs> I edited that one out. I was like, I see what you're doing, very funny. I am not doing that. It's a hot room and I am already pushing the limits of entertainment currently. <laughs> Literally just being like, well, that's the title. Okay, top five best and worst. All right, can you keep track? So. Okay, so do you want best or worst first? Let's go best. You want five best or best and then worst? Let's go worst then best. Worst then best? Yeah. And to starting with the number five? Yeah. Okay. Number five. Okay, wor fifth worst thing that happened to me in high school was uh, during uh, gym class, we did something called the beep test. I think you call it something else here. What do you... You just call it the beep test? So we did the beep test. Now, I'm, I'm dyspraxic, so I lack reflexes. So running at a speed is comical if you're politically incorrect, because my feet like to kiss each other and I fall down. And um, I showed up and I hadn't brought my gym shorts, so I had to run in jeans, because Rocco Romero, who was my gym teacher, he wanted to be a musician. Uh, he briefly was in the crew of, what was it? Electric Light Orchestra. He was part of their Canadian roadies for like three months. I hear, here's how I know it. He would bring it up all the time. Like we were, I was a punk rock kid with a mohawk and he'd be like, oh, that punk rock, oh, that's not bad of you. Listen to ELO or perhaps a little Yes roundabout, huh guys? And you're like, okay, you look like Super Mario. And he made me run the beep test uh, in my jeans and then I had sweaty jeans the entire time. That was number five, the worst. And uh, now you want a good one? Okay, I'm trying to like rate. Okay, what's a good one? Oh, here's a great one. Um, my friend, uh, my friend Bob, uh, was really, really, really in love with this girl, and uh, and they started dating, and then she cheated on him by uh, making out with Teddy in his uh, parents' walk-in closet. Uh, so Bob's revenge was uh, he knew the locker, her locker combination. So what he did was is he took her locker combination and he moved everything from that locker into an empty locker that was across the way from her locker and then just was waiting when she tried the lock and he was just stood next to her new locker and went, this is your locker. Don't you know where your locker is? And then she went and got her stuff and then he moved it back. <laughs> he is now an RCMP officer and I fear for my country. All right, so that's top five best, top five worst. Now top five, number four worst. Okay, when we were 14, we were all punks and we were, um, we, uh, we decided to start a gang because we were 14. Thank you, very fatherly response head to that. Really? Don't do what I've done. <laughs> this will be your future. A man named Cameron will be waiting, or call, some old fuck from Scotland will be outside. 
in a blue shirt complaining, oh, he said it was improvised, but I don't feel improved at all. Oh. Zing. Uh, it was just for you and me, Peter. Thank you. Uh, and so we started a gang. And, uh, and the thing is, I went to a high school, and it was all of us were the younger brothers of all of the graduating class, and they were all of our older brothers. And, uh, and they like, got really super pissed off. And my buddy Andrew Jameson, who I think is the craziest guy I've ever met, like I've grown out of like after a pub, you, you remember being 20 and you'd go drinking and then at the end, well, how old are you now? 28. 28? <laughs> how old are you? 28. You're 28. So remember when you were 20 and you'd have a couple? Yeah, kind of, exactly. Here's why. It's because it's Friday night and you guys would fight each other. Usually you'd fight your friends in the alley, right? Yes? Yeah, exactly. They don't... Don't, this is not an American thing. You guys weirdly have a reputation for violence that you do not have. The rest of the world, possibly because of free healthcare, by the way, we beat the shit out of each other between the ages of about 18 and 23, and then we discover that girls are a thing that are attainable if we don't have black eyes and stories of like, why is your, uh, uh, your tooth chipped? Oh, listen, my buddy Steve, he called me a gay lord, and so I... <laughs> So I hit him in the face with a newspaper, and then he kicked me in the balls, and then the bouncer told us to get out of the Denny's. <laughs> we were the reason the Denny's... I don't know why I'm stood on the chair. Um, so, 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 so uh, Andrew Jameson, he got into this fight uh, with this, uh, this kid named Tino. Now, Tino, as it turned out, had like 40 or 50 uh, brothers, sisters, and cousins all at our high school, and they told everyone they were gonna beat up Andrew. Now, Andrew's this tiny Newfoundland lunatic. Newfoundland is off the coast of Canada. It's where everyone thinks A and a boot come from. That's their accent. And they're lunatic Irish people that were left off the coast of Canada that refused to join Canada until after World War II. And they put in their declaration of joining Canada that they had to be allowed to make their own rum within their houses. They're fucking loon bags. <laughs> Andrew's mom, by the way, went to go get milk and didn't come back for a year and a half, but she had a new tattoo. It was the weirdest family I've ever seen. And, and he was like, let's do it. And we were all stood there, and it was a Friday, and we stood there, and unbeknownst to us, we'd all skipped class to listen to punk records in my friend Steve's basement, because we were so cool. Oh, we were douches. And we were stood in the field, and we just watched a crowd, I genuinely believe it was like 40 people coming down around the bed. By 40, that's not as many. That was way more, like 70 people coming around the bend, one of which was driving a giant truck loaded with people, and we're like, we're going to die. And so for some reason, Andrew ran to a convenience store and told, uh, there was a guy who worked there named Mickey, who was a black guy, and he just ran and went, Mickey, there's some people in the park saying bad things about black people. What are we going to do? And, and then Mickey didn't believe us, and then we stupidly walked back through the park, and Andrew got beaten up, and I, um, I peed myself a little bit from fear. <laughs> So uh, that's number four worst thing. Number four best thing. Oh. Okay, we went to one high school dance, and there was this girl, uh, Liz, um, who uh, she was uh, making out with my buddy, uh, Andrew, and she was like, I would like to lose my virginity right now. But his parents were at his place, her parents were at his place, or at her place, so um, they went into the, the, the disabled person bathroom, and we all guarded it and just made like barfing noises quietly with our hands so the teachers would think someone was in there throwing up and they didn't get caught. Looking back, our teachers had to have known what was going on because there was someone stood outside going, boop, 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 Number four, number four. So now we're back to number three, worst thing. Oh, this is really hard. Because I'm trying to like pick funny ones and some of them are just like learning, I have a learning disability. 
Oh, this is a good one. Okay, so I had a math teacher. It's not, it was bad because he was just shit. So math, I'm bad at math. Who's here is good at math? Wait. Peter, you're good at math? Yeah. I'm terrible at math. What's a subject you're really bad at in school? Um, I'm bad. Um, I was probably bad at English. Bad at English. See, I was very good at English. We just have different, like our brains just focus on different things differently. I don't care about numbers, but I can recite a sonnet right now. I'm not going to because I'm lying. Um, and so what we uh, so we we had this guy, Mr. Whiteside. We used to call him Mr. Backside, but never to his front. And he was a he was an old crotchety math teacher from uh, from like England or something like that. And uh, I had learned his ability to understand math. And he uh, he had me come up to the board and do a mathematical equation, and I couldn't do it. And then he just went, "It's because you're dumb, John. You need math for everything." Fun little coda to that. I uh, I told my mom. Who, uh, who went to school uh, with the principal of my school, and she told uh, her what had happened, and Mr. Uh, Backside got fired. So, hey, that's both the best and worst one. Let's combine those two, what do you say, Mike? Yeah, very good, so we're now on number two. Another worst one? Oh, fuck. Oh, I got punched by an 11-year-old, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, was, uh, I, was, uh, I was 14, and uh, the elementary school and the high school were next to each other, and I was walking along, and there was this 11-year-old, uh, and he was, uh, listen, let's be frank. In the 90s, homophobia was the norm. I'm not proud that I had those thoughts at that age, but I did. I think that it's, I've shown enlightenment that I've reversed all of the thoughts I've had on it, but it is something that existed in a lot of people's heads. We've tried to whitewash it and go, no, we were enlightened the entire time. We weren't. We've moved forward. We should embrace the fact we're moving forward and becoming a better society. I think that that's important. But at that time, I was a homophobe, and he was wearing a pink hat, a color I have now taken to wearing quite often, because as a winter, it is very pleasing to the eye on my skin tone. <laughs> And he was wearing a pink hat, and I just went, nice pink hat, girl! And he punched me in the fucking face, hard as shit. Yeah, he's now a professional dancer. Yeah, ran into him at the Fringe last year. Lovely chap. So now what number are we on? Number two, best thing. Number two, best thing. Now we're fucking getting to it. Oh, oh yeah, 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 this is a good one. So I, uh, uh, this isn't my story. And I have to edit this from the podcast, but I'm gonna tell you guys because it's my f fucking favorite. So my b best friend in the world, Paul Harrison, um, he had a high school crush on a woman named Sarah, and he was in love with this girl, and she sucked as a human being. Do you know those people that are in your life? If you work in an office, Sharon from HR, the one that never sings happy birthday with enough gusto during the birthday celebrations, you know what I'm talking about? When there's a birthday on the weekend, she's not into having the birthday party on the Friday before, you know what I'm talking about? That type of person. Apologies to someone named Sharon in the room. I'm not talking about you. And so Sarah was just a, she was a bad person, but Paul was in love with her. And, and he could never get over her, he tried. And, and Paul's also Catholic, he was raised Catholic. I disagree with his beliefs, but it comforts him at night. I'm not gonna judge, do what you like. And uh, we still have a very good friendship, all that sort of stuff. And he always would ask her out, and she would always make plans, and then say, no, we're not, no. And very weird. He, she dated, like, three of his other friends. It was very, very weird. And then finally, um, Paul's family, uh, his great-great-grandfather built one of the first houses ever in Ottawa. He built it with his hands, and it was in, uh, and it's in his family still. But uh, his dad got very concerned about his retirement, and a, re a real estate huckster came, knocked on the door, put some papers in front of his dad, and his dad inadvertently sold the house 
uh, for 10% of its value, not realizing what was going on. It was a whole legal battle. Paul was so consumed with rage. This is when we were 20s, out of high school. And then he went to our local that night, and, and Paul was a virgin. He was a virgin at 27 years old, and Sarah walked up to him and grabbed him by the crotch and said, fuck me in this disabled toilet, Paul. And he did. And that is the second greatest thing that ever came out of high school, <laughs> ever. I'm so sorry you brought your son to this, but hey, you know, you, listen, he can listen back to the recording later and go, this is why I do these things, Dad. <laughs> All right, so that's, that was second best? No, so we're on most worst mo and most best. Okay, most worst. Uh, this is briefly touched on in my other show, which you'll get a flyer for at the end, which is prepared and has laughs throughout and is slightly cooler than this room, <laughs> only slightly. Uh, is I, um, I ate some dodgy steak at a barbecue at our school, and uh, I went to Paul Harrison's house again. He lived across the street from the school, and he's one of these people that doesn't let you use his toilet. And I ran into his house, and I thought I had gotten to the toilet, but I hadn't, so I shit on his wall. <laughs> and I, I quickly, you're the right reaction, by the way. Everyone else laughed, and you guys just stared at me, being like, how are you alive? I had to clean it up using all the supplies I could find in the room, and I didn't do a very good job. So there was still a little detritus near the toilet, meaning that even to this day, when I use the bathroom at his house, his parents say, please use the toilet. And if you don't, please make sure to clean up after yourself. So that was the worst thing. Best thing. Hmm. I'm gonna say best thing was is that a high school thing. I'm gonna say best thing was I what uh, was it the disabled toilet I shit in? No, no, no. It was just his toilet. What was the disabled toilet thing? Is that a reference? What? No, 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 me? No, no, no. Like, how I lost my virginity is not nearly as fun of a story. I was watching Spider-Man 1 on VHS with my girlfriend at the time, and she just went, do you want to lose your virginity? And I went, I'm not really sure. And then it happened. <laughs> you know, it was just, like, it's very over-romanticized. Like, I don't think any human being is good at sex at all for like five years. It's just nerves and confusion. And listen, Women are as nervous about anything as you are. Please don't think that they are super cool and fine. Just be who you are and be honest. Be like, if you're attracted to someone, be like, hey, I was wondering if you wanted to hold hands or maybe go to the sock hop. I was raised in the 1950s, by the way. <laughs> and so that's the way to do it. Uh, but the best thing I would say for high school is I graduated. I don't think I was going to. I was very bad at school in a lot of ways, but I did graduate and uh, I discovered uh, comedy uh, by being a class clown and I figured out you can make a job out of it. Most, they wouldn't tell me that. I thought, did you just show me an empty glass? That was a very, that was the most passive aggressive heckle I've ever seen. <laughs> Bartender? I'll have a gray goose. Get it? From the duck? Anyway. Uh, so yeah, graduated would be the best thing. Very good. You've proved. Did we do it? All right. How are we doing for time? Oh. Okay, very good. All right. Let's see. This is the final story. And then how it works is I'm going to stand over there and ask you for money. It's five pounds uh, recommended. If you don't want to give me five pounds. Tough! It's five pounds! <laughs> and what is the story you have? Forest discovery from the rubber bouncy ball. Very good. You're 14? Yeah. Okay, when I was 14, my parents 
didn't take me on fun vacations to Scotland and then make me sit in sweaty rooms with a guy who remembers when I was a kid. <laughs> what I, we, we were done was we were like, because where, where are you from? I forgot. Uh, Virginia. You're from Virginia. You're in a suburb? Um, yeah. yeah, you're in a suburb. That's a fucking good answer, brother. <laughs> What's the suburb called? Fairfax. Every North American town suburb thing always has like a weird, odd geography. Like I'm from Westboro. What does Fairfax mean? It doesn't mean anything. But what we would do is just wander the streets from the hours of 11 o'clock when we'd wake up till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And we had nothing to do when we were 14. And we found this bouncy ball. This is the weirdest thing. We found a bouncy ball that was the bounciest ball I to this day have ever held. Like you literally bounce, and it would go like 20 feet up in the air and then land right exactly where you dropped it. And for some reason, this would show what the world was like before iPads. There was a big hill and we thought, let's get to the top of that hill, throw this fucking bouncy ball down and see how far it bounces. And it was a big hill. It took us like 45 minutes to walk up this big giant hill. And what we discovered was there was this unknown, unadvertised nature reserve right in the middle of our neighborhood that linked to all the different parts of the city because everything else was highways and you could walk around it, cutting down the journey from hours to walk to all these things to like 30 minutes. And then we made all these plans of like, we're going to meet girls and build a fort and then come here and then we'll be cool. What fucking idiots we were. So instead we walked all the way up and we tried to throw the baseball, but it was, it was a, a quarry on one side, which wasn't good for bouncing, and then a body of water that turned out to be a hydraulic thing for power. The whole thing was actually built on a power station, which we shouldn't have been playing on, which may explain why I have a loss of hearing at this point, that I was playing around a power station at 14 years old with a bouncy ball, so we couldn't throw it anywhere. So instead what we did was we bought a bunch of donuts, and we, uh, we threw them at each other, and then it rained, and we went home. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is, Buy him an iPad, or he's going to show up covered in donuts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time. I'll see you at the door. Have a very good fringe. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Got there in the end. Those fucking dicks walking out. I got to tell you, that guy Colin, the SAS guy, I think that's this episode. He's a piece of shit. Really didn't like him. Didn't like his face. He had a bad face. Anyway, um, if you want my prepared comedy for free, Email me at John Hastings. Nope. John Hastings Podcast at gmail.com and uh, you'll get free albums and stuff like that. I will get is your email address for um, the purposes of spam. I'm going to spam you. Haha. Ha. You've been spammed like a Hawaiian breakfast. All right. Enjoy this one. I'll talk to you later. Eat, um, eat shit and die, you bags of fuck. <laughs>